This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. And welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. With me, as always, my good friends and co-hosts, Eric Branson and Ryan Stiskel. Guys, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, I'm in another dimension right now, but I'm doing all right. <laughs> Which dimension are you um, calling in from today, Ryan? Uh, dimension C for Cookie. <laughs> is that where Cookie Monster is from? I think uh, so. That guy's on crack. Did you so. happen? Did you guys happen to see this? It's a. Uh, it was a Saturday Night Live skit that was done, kind of mocking the new yes. Joker movie, but it's all yes. Sesame Street. It's like with, uh, Oscar the Grouch. Da- with uh, Harbor, right? Yeah. Harbor. Yeah. He was Holy great, sh- by the way. <laughs> Just the, I lost it at the Burton Ernie thing. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I totally lost it at the Burton Ernie scene, but. Uh, and yeah, that movie, by the way, I was just reading the other day, is doing incredibly well. I haven't um, seen it. Don't no it spoilers. Became, I believe, officially the highest-grossing R-rated film of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did see it when it came out a week or so ago. I recommend it, but yeah, I won't say anything else about it. Ryan, you should see it. Eric, you should see it. Oh, I'm gonna see it Saturday. Cool. I, I don't know when I'll see it, but I will. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a good one. And, you know, just, and of course, with the Halloween season all around, you know, we've been watching lots of horror films, as I'm sure. Uh, I know, Eric, you have too. And Ryan, I'm not sure. Have you been watching anything? Oh, no, just Hocus Pocus. <laughs> no. And yeah, I've been watching a lot more in that vein yeah. with my kids, but um, we've tried, but tried to get a few in here and there. Yeah, it's, I always try to do the 31 days thing, and I, I, I'm sure there was a time in my life when I could have done it, but I just don't have the time anymore, unfortunately. It's, my grand know. total is going to come in at, like, five or six this year, so... Yeah. Well, you know, there was a point where I could I could just, you know, if when the kids were really little and they'd be sleeping or something like that, I could just put a movie on while I'm doing housework and it'd be playing, and I'm counting it because I'm kind of watching it. But, you know, they're, they're a lot more alert now, so I have to really be careful... You know, no, I'm not. I haven't shown a pumpkin head. No, not, <laughs> not, not yet. Huh? <laughs> no, not yet. You know, working up There's to it. Yet. But yeah, no. The one thing I'm really excited for, though, and it came out just in time for our birthday. Happy belated birthday, Eric. Um, happy birthday to you too, Joe. If thanks. anyone listening yeah, yeah. doesn't know, Joe and I actually share <laughs> a birthday. So, which I think Ryan just found out yeah, the other yeah. day as well. I did. Yeah. I, I yeah. did so, and I was quick to act. <laughs> so, yeah. People so. on the podcast should know. So that's yeah, right. If well, you're part then, of the official Video Junkyard podcast group on Facebook, you're way ahead of us on this news. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I have to admit that I did uh, purchase myself one little birthday present to myself that hopefully will be arriving tomorrow, and that is the special limited edition Blu-ray of An American Werewolf in London that comes with a whole bunch of cool bonus features. I'm really excited about that one. I think that might be one I, I actually start watching the bonus features on. 
Again. I, I can actually hear the tear of pride and joy I'm roll down your face. And we're not even so in the same excited. room. I'm so excited. I know. But we're so going to be switching things up a little bit uh, the next this week and next week with the two movies. We're actually taking a little bit of a break from horror films. Uh, and uh, going to be doing, I guess, if we had to theme this, this pair, it would be uh, 80s kind of science movies. Right? Not, 80s science not comedies, maybe? Yeah, kind of comedies. I mean, these are definitely more of the... Well, one of them's more family-friendly than the other one, but by today's standards, neither one of them are that bad um, from that aspect. But, uh, yeah, so I, should we just jump right in, I guess, to the first one? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, yeah, this first one we're going to be talking about is actually it's a personal favorite of mine, already kind of giving away something of a review, but uh, this is one that I don't even remember the first time I saw this one, but it, it just always stuck with me. It's got a lot of great lines in it, and this is the 1985 American technically science fiction comedy film Real Genius. When the military runs short on brains, they go hunting at Pacific Tech, an exclusive institution for outstanding intellects. Where the superstar of smarts is Chris Knight. You have a jacuzzi? Absolutely. His hobbies violate the laws of gravity. What are you doing out there? Floating, sir. His homework could win a Nobel Prize. He's one of the ten finest minds in the country. And his IQ is higher than most people can count. I can't stand it. Have you ever seen a body like this before in your life? She happens to be my dog. But when Chris makes the scientific discovery of the century, you did it. His classmates want the credit. You're not number one around here anymore. His professor wants the publicity. I. That's it. And the military wants to use his discovery as the ultimate weapon. This is not good. So Chris is about to turn getting even into a science. They should never try to outsmart a real genius. God, Val Kilmer in this thing just. There's there's so many great witty lines in it, and I don't know. He, uh, it, it's, he it's he's he's pre Ryan Reynolds. He's Ryan Reynolds pre Ryan Reynolds. He really is. Yeah. Yeah. He really, really is in this. And I'm not gonna detract from Ryan Reynolds, but he's really good in this movie. Like, I don't... yeah, yeah. Like it's, I said, we, we were it... talking about Val Kilmer before we started recording tonight, and like the more I think about it, or the more I revisit some of his performances, it's like man i think i'm actually a pretty big fan of this guy like he's actually the only like really good thing about batman forever (laughs) right he you know what i've always kind of thought he was a a decent batman not a very good bruce wayne and george clooney was the opposite he was a better bruce wayne and not a very good batman so between the two of them they made it kind of palatable we always talk about ridiculous fan edits but i'm sure you could make that work somehow like oh that'd be kind of cool (laughs) And you could avoid nipples on a bat suit. So you, you know, said you, know. you you don't remember the first time you saw this. You've been watching this since you were a kid. Ryan, was this the first time 
for you is this was a first time for me and uh, yeah same here it's it's one from kind of my vintage but it's what i've never seen before like this is the first time so I guess I'll give it a real quick synopsis. Uh, the film's set on the campus of Pacific Tech, a science and engineering university similar to Caltech. Chris Knight, played by Val Kilmer, is a genius in his senior year working on a chemical laser. Mitch Taylor, a new student on campus, is paired up with Knight to work on the project. And uh, one of the kind of things that goes about with this movie is it's you got the, the character Mitch Taylor, who's this kind of nerdy kid. Uh, well, they're all nerdy kids, right? But he's very straight-laced and very young and... Chris Knight or Val Kilmer's character is a total goof off, um, eccentric, and there's a lot of other kind of eccentric characters in this. But it, it well, does they're... a nice, nice send up of the um, you know kind of like crazy smart kids. It you know it's almost like Revenge of the Nerds, but you know without rape. <laughs> it's 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 actually um, I thought it was kind of like a National Lampoon like movie, mm-hmm. it, yeah. like like Asperger's Animal House. Like type of yeah, actually, I saw some similarities to Animal House. Not just Revenge of the Nerds, but Animal House as well. Mm-hmm. I actually wrote down both of those movies as ones that I saw similarities to. So, oh, yeah. And, uh, weirdly enough, a little Van Wilder. Like, yeah. it's pre-Van Wilder, but it's very much like another Van Wilder movie. And, once again, comparing them to Reynolds. Sorry, Eric. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I think, you know, like the... Some of the... the the hijinks and stuff too are, are really quite clever. You know, this isn't just, you know, and I like Van Wilder. Those, they're all good for a laugh, you know, but the, this one, they do some really clever gags in this that are all kind of science themed. And, and this came out around a time, you know, the, the movie we're going to talk about next week too, which came out just a year later where it almost feels a bit like, you know, the space program was really big around this time. Um, there were, you know, chemistry sets were popular and Lego was big. And so it was almost like a, push of, of stem concepts to, to kids this wasn't marketed at children necessarily but teenagers it was almost like it's kind of it's okay to be nerdy today that's you know very different with the success of comic book movies and everything like that but um but this i'll be honest too this one i think reminds me a lot of grad school and we did nothing like this in grad school but it's just kind of there's some some lines in there where the, the kids are talking about getting brain fry and I, I know exactly what they're talking about. <laughs> it's that, you know, mental breakdown because you've just been studying too much. Um, but yeah, and then it also has a great cast as as well. Um, you know, the, any movie from the 80s has to have a good villain. And what better <laughs> 80s villain than William Atherton? He, he is the best known for anything, like any kind of a, uh, antagonistic prick. In the eighties, that's all I know him. Yeah, from. Well, oh, yeah. oh yeah, whatever his actual name in Ghostbusters is, I always think of him as Dickless. Walter Peck. He's Dickless. <laughs> Walter Peck. Yeah. Well, plus in, in Die Hard, you know, he's kind of a jerk in Die Hard, and he's a total he is, jerk yeah. in this. I don't know anything about his personal life, um, but uh, I don't know if there's Dick. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I hope he's a really nice guy. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, in most cases, he probably is if he plays that so well as an actor. But <laughs> you never yeah, know. Maybe he's really though. an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> probably. To but, be fair, I was going to say, like, starting out this movie, um, kind of noticed that uh, everyone's kind of a dick. So he kind of fits in. But that's like at the beginning of the movie. Like, Oh, yeah. It's like wow, everyone kind of sucks. <laughs> it's like it sucked to be in that environment as that fifteen-year-old, you know. 
Yeah, I mean the the the, the pranks and stuff that are done here are they go from lighthearted to pretty mean spirited. Uh, you know, there's a scene yeah. when um uh when when Gabe Jarrett's character Mitch uh you know is having a really rough time and he calls home to his parents and and the other kids record it and they play it over the loudspeaker and it's it's a it's kind of kind of rough, you know. But they I don't know. I I just keep going back to the, the little gags and stuff in this and my favorite. So there's so there's the the other kind of pseudo villain or sub villain in this is the character Kent. Kent, who is is a suck up to uh, William Atherton's lead villain, and well, does yeah. goes out of his way to be mean to Mitch and try to sabotage him. And when they get him back by installing a radio transmitter in his braces and communicating and making him think he's Jesus or they're Jesus. Oh my God! Which, Stop playing with of... yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a good running joke in that one. I was, was gonna say like that that prank in particular. Like, out of these kind of, uh, I guess, Nashlandian Lampoon-type mm. movies. I know it's not a La- National Lampoon movie, but it is very much similar to that kind of setup of college movie. It's a college movie. Yeah. Um, that was one of the greatest pranks I've ever seen in any kind of those angsty college movie comedies. That's the best one, in yeah. my opinion. Like, the talking through the brain thing. Like, people mm-hmm. are like, well, how would that work? But kind of like those stories of people who swear they were hearing radio transmissions like the way that oh you vibrate the jawbone and the ear can hear it but no one yeah. else around them can i'm like holy shit this is clever yeah 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 this this is definitely Sorry. better than your average i mean like it, it's not in a lot of ways and maybe it's not better than animal house but i do think i prefer it to revenge of the nerds i mean not just because there's yeah. some super cringe stuff in revenge of the nerds that this has a little bit of but it never gets like just you know never leaves that bad taste in your mouth that uh, Revenge of the Nerds does, but it's got a lot of similarities, but it, it's kind of avoids some of the cliches of those other twos as, as well, and maybe that's just because it's centered around your, um, I don't know, cle- quote-unquote smart kids, rather than you know, people that are you know, other ones, the other ones are all fraternity movies, this isn't really, but at the same time it is kind of a fraternity movie because it's just, you know, this kind of click of ultra smart yeah. kids working on this ultra you know seek, top secret project which they don't realize they're working on a top secret government project um and also the return of laser guns to the junkyard podcast again in this that's but, right but it actually seems to fit Q in this movie a little laser bit more sound than, effects. Like, no. yeah yeah and actually in the the i was reading that in the the production of this they actually tried to I mean, they actually had a science advisor on on set um, who was actually he, he has a cameo in the movie as the math professor. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah. his name's Martin Gunderson. He's actually a very well known physicist who was a technical advisor on the movie, and he talked about he he kind of gave him the idea about the the solid you know xenon halogen laser uh, that they're working on, and it doesn't work, but it was actually based on on theory at the time that the movie came out. So they actually tried to. There's some science in there. Myth Mythbusters has played with this, especially with the famous popcorn scene. Um, you know that didn't really work, but um, but no, it, I thought this did a, a really cool job of of you know like you said, Revenge of the Nerds. It is still kind of a fraternity movie, but they're fraternity outcasts. But it's still like they're trying to be a fraternity. This is more. This is like a college of outcasts. A college of outcasts are all these really awkward people. Um, but they're 
they're kind of showing that fun aspect of, of people like this. And it, it, there's there's not a lot of shame for their uh, characteristics, which I thought is cool. Even the the, the girl in it, um, I, I feel bad that I can't remember her, her name. Michelle. Uh, Michelle uh, um, Mayrink. Who plays who, Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's who, got some ticks and stuff. You know, she doesn't sleep and she's constantly doing it. She's well, hyperactive or something. But but they don't, that's not used to her, to like mock her at all, which is a bit ahead of its time. It actually like, kind of, her, her little quirks and her personality um, put kind of it's what makes her interesting to Mitch's character, I think. And, and yeah, he very yeah. much like has an opportunity, you know, he has, has a moment where um, he has an opportunity to, you know, be with another girl who is a very different personality type. And um, very Which much came prefers, out of field, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. That was literally the whole relationship existed as a split second. And it was just that one particular moment where he had the opportunity. It was really weird. Sorry. Yeah. It just was kind of an odd scene. Though, but, but I think yeah. his, his interest in, in her is because she's a little different from that other. They, they could have spent a lot more time building or, or making that point. Like I still feel to a certain extent, Jordan as a character is treated as the quote unquote girl, but at least they, you know, at least they were doing a little something with it. Although she is like the only female character in this film <laughs> that is not, you yeah, know, yeah. A... having sex with some other weird douchey dude. Yeah. Right. So that is, that's yeah, one yeah. thing that is still very eighties and a little kind of a little bit cringy, but I don't think anything's mean spirited here. It's just a product of its time. Um, worth pointing out, but I, it didn't like, it doesn't hurt the film or make it offensive in any way, at least in my opinion. She has, she has kind of the, um, I was going to say she kind of has what the kind of um, non-threatening kind of archetype, like, like, oh, she's kind of simple, but weird and eccentric, even more so than anyone else. She pretty much is played like somebody who, who has Asperger's, to be honest with you. Um, like if, uh, cause I know like a few people with Asperger's, I'm like, this is exactly how they behave. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, not exactly. It's not like that dramatic. But that level of like energy and like yeah. flow of a subject, yeah. So yeah, but, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of like Sheldon Cooper before his time, kind of a thing, you know. She's not that. She's more lovable than Sheldon. Oh well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that depends on who you are. Some people really like Sheldon enough to give him a spinoff series as a kid. Well, I can tell. Um, I, I've but, never understood the appeal of that show. Big Bang so, Theory. I just can't. I've tried. There, I've seen. Don't a few dwell episodes. on it, Joe. Joe, don't don't. Don't even, don't even give it the time. It doesn't deserve it. Well, yeah. No, I just, I've seen a few episodes and they were hurt, yeah. amusing enough, but I think I'm a little burned out on everybody like, oh, you're in the sciences. You must love Big Bang Theory. No, I work with people like that. I really don't. Um, you know. But I was going to say that uh, the actress, Michelle, uh, who mm-hmm. plays Jordan, uh, I, I'm not going to lie. The whole time I'm like, she looks like uh, Selma Blair. You know, from Hellboy. Yeah, I'm like, I I'm like, that too. Ah, fuck. I, I was almost thinking. I actually checked the cast list because I didn't think she was in this, and, and it turns out same, the age, same. age group would it wouldn't have worked at all. But I checked any, anyway because I thought she looked so much like her. But I did the same thing, Eric. I did the exact same thing instantly. It was the first thing I googled. <laughs> and I also want to mention that this film was directed by Martha Coolidge, uh, a pretty well-known American film director, former president of the Directors Guild of America. Um, and has just a really extensive 
list of of credits behind her name um both film and television lots and lots of awards um so yeah in fact she even did uh, a couple episodes of the 80s twilight zone uh, series from the, uh, the the redid the redo they did in 1986 she did a couple of those episodes and uh doing stuff all the way up until the show siren last year major contribution to, to society and that is that she was uh the independent like a sole producer of the movie valley girl which of course is the mm-hmm. first movie or at least it's giving credit for launching the career of Nicolas cage Nicolas so, cage, cage yeah. yeah yeah so she technically discovered although he was a working actor prior to that but that's an early starring role for for him someone that's else right. in this movie was in valley girl too what weren't they uh yes the girl that's like the daughter that's sleeping with um the Dean. Jerry, yeah, Jerry. what's her name? Um, she's the star of it. She's the other the female. Deborah Foreman. Uh, yeah. Quote on star. She shows up for two scenes. No, and, she's the star of uh, not... Valley Girl. Opposite oh, Nicholas Cage. Yeah, because so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was... And, and should mention, this is a real reach back, but Deborah Foreman was also in the first... Not the first, the second episode. Oh, no, it was the first episode, second movie we ever reviewed on the podcast, which was Waxwork. Oh, right. Yeah, she was. Yeah, Performing yeah. was in that as well, so it's coming all around. And Nick Cage, which we still need to do that Nick Cage show series. Oh, we review every that's, one of his movies? That takes like three years, Joe. That's going to be really hard to pick one for that. But, oh, but, we're uh, going to do every, we one, of, pick, every one of his movies, we're going to do one show. One show, all, all Nick Cage. Just play them at once. Full Cage. So, I don't know, do, do either of you have like a favorite moment from, from this one? Um, I think I had a couple, but I can't remember them, so maybe not. I the thing, the first thing that comes like pops out the, from the top of my head is um, I was really uh, amused by the character of um, Laszlo, who lives in the wall or lives yeah. in the yeah. closet. Oh yeah, John the Grace, top, yeah, the number one guy. And uh, so the scene where Mitch actually figures out how to get down into his like underground bunker through the closet um was amusing to me just because i thought that i don't know the whole mystery of having this mystery man that comes in and out of your closet when he thinks you're not looking um was amusing to me um so i don't know just that was off the top of my head i don't know if that's my favorite scene of the film because there's it's a lot of funny moments and great things going on in this movie um i like the uh skating rink prank from early in the film when they turned the whole like dormitory smart, into smart people on ice yeah <laughs> honestly i was gonna say like any any scene that uh sorry val kilmer's chris it's chris right that's yeah. his name yeah chris knight anytime chris knight interacts with uh dickhead kent it was my favorite my my main my main one my favorite one is when they're taking their uh exams and he says something like snarky and chris knight goes like you know what? i think i'm going to name my son after you dickhead knight has a good ring to it. <laughs> yeah. and like that was like oh my god i want to use that 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 that's some of the that's i think my favorite moment where you want to actually repeat like a line of dialogue to somebody else and use it in your future yeah he's got a lot of good one line like yeah i don't know he's Val Kilmer steals the show here. We said this about Val Kilmer when we did our review of Tombstone, and this is another film where, totally different kind of film, where he's just kind of the best thing about it. So 
I'm going to change my best thing about this movie to just being pretty much any time Val Kilmer's in the film. <laughs> well, even the first time you see this character, too, right? They, they mention him at the very beginning of the movie because, you know, uh, Mitch is finding out he's going to be working directly with Chris Knight. And he's all excited because he's kind of this, this legend Prodigy. to him. Yeah. And then you see this character, and he's getting you know a tour of a place he might potentially be getting a job after he graduates, and he's wearing a T-shirt that says "I heart toxic waste," and he's wearing a headband with the little spring ball things on the top, like the little antenna things. And when the professor looks at him, and says, "Why are you wearing that toy on your head?" And he said, "Because if I wear it anywhere else, it chafes." I mean, just the the delivery—it's very very quick, very witty. There's a lot of lines like that uh, throughout the oh, film. Oh. I got one more now. Now that you mentioned that scene, there is a line where he goes like, someone asks him, are you Chris Knight? He goes, I should be. I'm wearing his underwear. His underwear. <laughs> you know. Or I'd hope so. I'm wearing his underwear. I, that I, That's the second favorite line. So And, and I really wonder yeah. why this one, I mean, the whole, you know, the, the main focus of our show is to kind of, you know, dig up these forgotten gems. And this is one, and you, you two are kind of examples of this. So many people I know have never seen this. Yeah, I'm surprised this one flew under my radar. I I was kind of familiar with it in name only, and I think really that's only through talking to you about 80s movies we could do on this podcast. Like this one, almost I, I was almost totally unaware of. I yeah. Anyway, no, I mean it. It, it did really well. It, it was it got good reviews. It still holds a pretty good uh, rating on modern rating websites uh but had a budget of eight million dollars and it made 13 million so it was it was a success and i did read that just um recently uh, in the last couple of years there's been discussions of of kind of reviving it as a tv series but there really haven't been anything in the last year about it um potentially being that so i wonder what what happened um, I don't know, maybe... I would think now would be a good time to do that, because like I said, you know, nerd is cool again. You know, Big Bang Theory was a very successful show, whether I cared for it or not. Maybe that's why they didn't do it. People thought it would be too much like that. Yeah, and there would... I, I, I would think from a remake standpoint, there would be some fear that it would just become another attempt to make something like the Big Bang Theory, but it wouldn't have to be that either. I think it like a Netflix series, something like 10 episodes or so, could work well for something like this, and try to keep the same balance of you know humor and i think you could dig in if you were given you know 10 episodes 10 hour long episodes to do you could dig in a little more into i think this film's got an interesting stuff to say about like social strata or social groups and the way that um even in a group of people that are all these super smart you know science nerds um there's still like this kind of social structure right the social ladder and it's Kind of about like how it's the same anywhere. Mentioned. Like, yeah. 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 And I think you could dig into that and really do some cool stuff with that. You could develop each of your side characters. Um, it could be interesting. I'm, I'm generally kind of like, oh. I, as much as I hate, I hate to be against any, like anything as a concept. I'm kind of just getting so burned out on like remaking everything. Like, let's just right. let's write some stuff that's not, just throwing a name of something to get people get butts in the chairs again but yeah and there's been a lot of that lately there's been you know reboots that are pretty much just name only and they are you know and, and this could fall into that problem because i think one of the things that makes this movie so good is the the chemistry between the actors and actresses in it um especially as we've been saying you know val kilmer's character and even just him and william atherton going back and forth 
Um, there's some really good lines there. Even William Atherton has some really good lines too. And he's talking to Mitch about his parents, and he says, "Let's be honest. Compared to most people, you have, you know they have the compared to you, most people have the IQ of a carrot. You know, there's some little lines like that where he's telling the the one kid he should up the voltage on his personally done shock therapy treatments. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I I don't know if you'd get that again. I mean, I don't know. Who who knows? Maybe there's some some people out there that could really kind of spark something new in in that but yeah but at um, that point why not just write a new series you can you can hit these themes and do these you know something with and and be original you don't have to make it real genius you don't have to steal the name and i mean i guess it's just a sales it's a sales push is what it is anyway well but then again this one isn't remembered right i mean they they keep they keep trying to reboot revenge of the nerds and stuff like that because i think that had a bigger draw when it came out but again, around the same time, you know, or you know, within a few years. Um, and you know, speaking of Jerry in this movie, like as a character, like um, I find the, the like towards the end of the movie, my, this is the only gripe I literally wrote down about this movie. So it's obviously I'm going to give it pretty good, pretty good marks at the end. But the um, why was everybody so shocked that Jerry was? I don't know, like ended up being the bad guy in this movie that he was working with this government project. He was kind of using them to, to further himself and make money, obviously, because he's building this beautiful new or remodeling his house, I think is what he's doing. But, um, he has this government contract. He's a villain. Yeah. He's embezzling money, but he's just such a douchebag throughout the entire movie. I don't see why anybody was surprised. I think maybe they could have made him a little more likable or relatable of a character, especially to his group of students. Um, and you could have felt that um, the betrayal a little more in the end of the at the end of the day, it's still kind of an eighties comedy, and everything's kind of lightly drawn anyway. But um, well, I mean, I, yeah, I totally, I totally would have pegged you know this guy as uh, well. Yeah, because in in the beginning when he's first talking to Mitch at the science fair thing, you know, and he's telling him about his you know people with an IQ of a carrot and stuff, um, you know there was a potential there to turn him into kind of a surrogate father figure. And they could have done a lot with that. But, um, yeah, I think that really would have, would have kind of changed the dynamic. You would, you couldn't have William Atherton in it. Then, no, I don't because, know if he would have been the right guy for the character anymore, but no, no, but, but yeah, I think I could, I see what you mean. It's then again, the way that he's acting, not the embezzling stuff. I'm not trying to point fingers at anything like that, or the, the really unethical stuff, but just that kind of grumpiness is not uncommon in these types of settings. I mean, every most people have a, a have a horror story about an advisor or something that you know was a dick, or you know, just kind of dumped a bunch of work on them and, and stuff like that, and. I think in academia we have a tendency to be like, well, yeah, you know, they probably had it done to them, so it's okay that it's being done to me. When really, it's like, no, we could stop doing this shit to each other. <laughs> you know, we could stop this cycle anytime now. Um, so yeah, I, I'll say that it's believable, but yeah, it didn't do much for the the storytelling in this. It didn't. It didn't. Help well, it. Uh, I kind of thought that he, like he he was fairly obvious, like an antagonist, where there was like no secret. But I think what the main one. Uh, the main message I thought was kind of interesting, um, which isn't, I don't think forced on enough because once again, like the way that this movie's kind of structured and based on like movies similar to it, it's more on like 
this type of conflict of we have to, and they even say it in the movie, like, it's natural law to get back at the people who fuck with us. That's essentially what they were thinking. And I thought this was a missed opportunity because there is an element here, philosophically speaking, where you have a series of, like, the, these group of scientists being exploited to by, like, they're just trying to solve a problem given to them because that's what they like to do. Mm -hmm. And then to learn that that problem is being used to kill people, which is this this element of the story is is kind of mentioned briefly with the guy hiding in the closet like they mentioned early on like yeah i had this 12 year old prodigy who eventually snapped who i think is this guy and then like what made him snap well he realized the thing that he did was killing people and then he just hid away that's mentioned early on they have their own moments when they mm -hmm. find out their lasers being trans uh, used to the whole purpose of the laser the, the start of the movie starts with a with with a guy getting shot by a laser yeah as like an ad sale. This isn't just like, hey, the Dean's uh, not the Dean. Dean that just shot with a laser. Got shot with a laser from space, like and satellite that, that weaponry was... style. Yeah, like. yeah. The whole conflict of this movie for in the background that's not really dwelling upon is like, yeah, like, hey, there's this corporation trying to sell this tech to this military group, or it's this military group or whatever. They're trying to make this contract happen. They kill people. They mention in the first five minutes. They kill people. They killed that one guy who left the room. He's like, oh, he was a good guy, was a good guy. Have him killed. So there's a reason that everyone who knows about this is like, dude, I need you to fucking finish that laser because this guy yeah. kills people. Actually a line in the movie that is said, <laughs> this guy can kill people. There's a danger. And then it ends with, yeah, we just filled your house with popcorn. Yeah. Well, like, and What they, the fuck? No, you guys are going to die. But if they, this was they... in the fucking 2000s, you would die. That's that's what this is set up. This is a thriller. No, but the psychology yeah. I was going to say is like, think about the people who did the Manhattan Project. Oh, you know, like, yeah. like, they like, filled this house, they, with, they... house with popcorn and whatever and got their last lap. But you know Jerry Hathaway is screwed. I mean, he's the one messing with the people that kill the people, not really the kids. Oh, yeah. In the... Oh, yeah. He... yeah. Yeah. That dog was there. That dog was actually an assassin at the last bit of the movie. He's yeah. like, oh, look, it came back. It's like, a, a deleted a in a scene. Suit. <laughs> But you know what? If you look at even the um, the opening song during the opening credits, um, it's it's Carmen McRae's "You Took Advantage of Me." Yeah. So it's laid out right in the opening credits that yeah, these you know these are you know well, these kids are right. kind of being exploited like this by their professors. But that message, right? Mm -hmm. No. But that whole message in general is just like, that's kind of a deeper message of yeah. like, wh how would that affect you as a scientist or just somebody, anybody who wants to create something? They're just doing it because you enjoy this and you realize the consequences like, oh, actually this dangerous thing I've been making for fun is actually has potential to be in use for dangerous things across the planet to hurt other people. Well, then like, that does, that's a that, great that message. Happen. I mean, there's, there's briefly, a lot of, there's it's a lot not of... really technology and a lot of inventions yeah. that are produced for one purpose and then they're repurposed for something else and you know i mean it's, it's not always as something as serious as this but i just the first example that comes to mind is the um which is kind of like this but is the guy who invented the keurig coffee pot and the k-cups i mean he's gone on record as when he realized you know how much waste is going and how these things took off he didn't expect them to be as abundant and popular so when he heard about all the plastic waste that comes out of these things. He's like, I never would have invented it if I would have thought that it was going to do that. Yeah. And, you know, so it's there's, there's like the, the downside there. 
it's kind of like why... the people from the Manhattan Project. I was kind of yeah. thinking about yeah. like the, all those people who realize like, oh, this bomb wasn't to just end a war. This was a bomb to just change how we fight war. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you can't put that genie back in the bottle once no. it's out. There, and there's a real like heavy heart to that, and like that would have been kind of interesting play to have in the comedy. You know, like yeah. have that like kind of moment of kind of like you have this character who's this like classic 80s kooky irresponsible intellectual that's why we like him and he's hot he's a hot nerd he's not like what all nerds pretty much are but you like this character but he doesn't take anything seriously and to have a moment where you can watch that intellectual actually like feel the emotional weight which is like that should be shared with another character who's shown that he's been like traumatized by a similar mm-hmm. situation. Like that would have been a kind of an interesting thing in a movie that would have made it a little bit deeper. I thought, they, they, but yeah, they kind of tried in. to do that. They kind of tried to do that a little bit with Knight and Laszlo, but it, 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 it kind of ended up more being like, Oh, I'm going to like be nice to him. And all of a sudden he's going to start coming out of his shell again. Like, um, yeah, 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 re- yeah. More than really relating to one another on that level. Like, their work is being, you know, bastardized by, um, you know, the military or the government or whatever to and, and applied to, you know, assassinate people. <laughs> so, right. Well, I think the moral of the story is, if you're going to get into the sciences, stick to things like fossils because they're not known for killing people. That's what I took from it. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you took me out in a field full of rattlesnakes. Don't tell me that fucking shit. That's true. That's true. Oh, and Eric, saw Eric saw him too. Eric saw rattlesnakes out there. We got it on camera. Yeah. I yeah. remember when my foot was next to a baby rattlesnake when we were out there. And you yeah. said, actually, the babies are worse because they're just give you all the venom. They're not like the adults that conserve it. And I'm like, how is that helping me, Joe? Well, I don't know. <laughs> That's knowledgeable. That's good to know. I'm glad I know it. Knowing is half the battle. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. if you guys... The fossils aren't doing anything. If you guys real, had to give this one a grade... Where are we on on real genius? I I don't know. I think I'm gonna give this one a, a B plus. Um, and and I I'm trying to take like nostalgia away from it. I I think I saw this in like first time actually like in high school or something. Um, I started watching it more repeatedly like in college and grad school because I could I could relate to some of the characters. Like I I recognize characters. Like I know somebody kind of like this. Um. But yeah, I, I, it's a, it's a B plus for me. It's, it's a shame that this one isn't recognized more, uh, and appreciated more, especially when there's other films like it that are out there, like Revenge of the Nerds and stuff. But this one, I feel, is better. Um, and I just think it's, it's got a, a clever story. Um, it's not overly complicated. It's, it's, it's kind of cool that they can take something, you know, like talking about, you know, f- you know, lasers and physics and stuff, and and do just enough of it where the audience is catching on with what's going on, but it's not getting overly heady or anything like that. Um, I mean, they take a 15-year-old to a sex party, and uh, there was no issue with that. And nothing really happens. So, I mean, I mean it gets shut down. Yeah, party, he actually right? just uh, gets but in he, trouble but he does to the lab, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. But I'm just saying, the character himself, Val Kilmer's character, Chris Knight, does say, here's a bunch of studying beauticians now is a chance for all of you guys to get laid well actually what he says is based on probability this is the only time you'll ever get laid (laughs) 
<laughs> so even more heavy handed doesn't say except for you 15 year old and that's where i'm kind of at because even the 15 year old's relationship is with a 19 year old which i get I'm like oh it's a four-year difference i'm like yeah still not 18 and he's talking about having sex with her like they don't say that right away but they that that's that's what's hinted that's the way it's set up yeah yeah I could have had sex with a woman who looks far older, but instead I want to have sex with this 19-year-old. Right, but neither of them should want to have sex with you. For legality reasons. Yeah, like I said, it's, it has some cringy moments, but not as not as bad <laughs> as some other films that came out around the time. But Ryan, what, what grade would you give this? Um, okay, so this is where I'm at with this one. Um, going back, I didn't get a chance to say this uh, for the remake idea. But I think they're the reason the reason that this one could not be remade is that it it does have a very formulaic type of humor, which is like I mentioned, popular in National mm-hmm. Lampoon movies and, and such. And it works. It's a good sense of humor. It's a bit on more of the cringy side, but that's kind of the point. That's the charm to it. And I enjoy that because I grew up with that. I actually liked Van Wilder and shit. Like looking back, it's not. It's not something you watch with your girlfriend and feel good about. So it's, and I would say with real genius, I would ha- like Sharon and I did not watch this together. And I was like, yeah, I enjoy, I, I enjoy this. She would not. Um, so I get why that, that doesn't age well. Now, not to say that can't be remade in a more modern sense, but it'd be a different thing then. It would be a different thing. Um, because like I said, everyone's kind of just like a dick. It's classic in those shows and in, in those movies. But it's mm-hmm. it's charming. It's fun. Yeah. I would actually say it's a good movie to watch with like those, aka me for example, who have family members who like that kind of raunchy. Uh, not that it's this raunchy, but that level of immature sense of humor. And but still has those science like intellectual like the way they do their jokes are, are well set up like the the lines from Chris Knight's Val Kilmer is great. Um, I think it's a good movie to have like a balance between those two groups of people. Like you have the ones who want the more in- intellectual comedy and those who want the cringy kind of immature. I shouldn't say cringy, but immature kind of like yeah. sexy people. Yeah, um, this is a good one for both those types of people so i give it a, a b plus i give it a b plus oh, for cool. everyone what about you Eric? yeah i mean i agree with well pretty much what you guys both said we're gonna come in real close all three of us this time um i think it's a really great 80s movie that we, we've talked about some moments that are cringeworthy but compared to a lot of its uh uh peers it's not it, it actually manages to be pretty i don't know if highbrow but it takes the high road let's say on many uh it's a high, a high road a high for the highbrow. Yeah, it, the it, low brow. it is. Yeah. It the humor isn't um, dated in any way. It still feels funny and kind of fresh, and the performances are good. And it's, I don't know. It it doesn't feel. It it totally feels like an '80s movie, but it doesn't. It's not locked in the '80s where um, it's not enjoyable now. Like I think you could pretty much show this movie to anybody, and um, I don't know. They're gonna get a couple laughs out of it, and and. and yeah, it's 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 a good flick. I, I give it a B. I think it's uh, and it, and coming at this fresh, I don't have any like nostalgia connection to it whatsoever. So Joe, it's really not your nostalgia. I think it's actually that good of a movie, and I think more people should probably pick this one up. Yeah, yeah I recommend. It. I know it's available right now on a couple of the different streaming platforms. Um, 
uh, I, I know it's on Crackle. It, it might yeah. be on a couple of the others, but I know it's on Crackle. So if you haven't seen it, go download Crackle. It's free, and you can watch it on there if you don't mind a couple commercials here and there. Um, it's better than Big Bang Theory. No. no. So. Yeah. Crackle's been, Crackle's been kind of a fun one, especially for, for the show, trying to track down some of these movies. I'm always amazed what they have on there. Yeah. Um, um, there's no. a service called Tubi as well, if anyone's yeah. Not yeah. familiar. It, it has an amazing selection of movies for absolutely free. Um, so, yeah, definitely check that stuff out. Yeah. So, uh, next week we're going to be... No. Yeah, yeah right. I'll be talking free. about it if anyone That's from those, those, those companies wants to give me a call. <laughs> Right. Next week, we're going to be continuing the discussion on these uh, kind of 80s science movies with something that came out uh, shortly after this. Not quite as much of a comedy, but a little bit more of a family movie. Uh, but unfortunately, it was kind of uh, a victim of really bad timing. So we'll talk more about that one uh, next week. But we would love to hear any of your thoughts on Real Genius. Do you have a favorite scene or do you have any thoughts on uh, the conversation that we've just had about it? Feel free to drop us a line. You can email us at videojunkyardpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at our Video Junkyard Podcast page or our Facebook group. Or send us a tweet at Video Junk Pod. We'd uh, love to hear from you and uh, get your thoughts. And coming up on the Video Junkyard Podcast, we are going to revisit a couple of... Uh, classics from favorite filmmakers of ours so we're going to be hitting a lesser known brian de palma film and a lesser known george a romero film in the coming weeks as we go closer to the new year we're going to be welcoming um good friend of mine and podcasting legend in his own right nate valker to the program uh to watch flight of the dragons and um yeah so uh, yeah. lots of exciting stuff coming up on the video junkyard podcast as we get closer to the new year sounds good I want to thank everybody for listening and tune in next week as we continue our discussion. I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Eric O'Branson. And uh, I want to take this moment to say I, I'm uh, I'm glad that we still have Val Kilmer to this day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm uh, glad he survived his bout with cancer, and I hope uh, it doesn't come back. I don't know the state of it. But, you know, I think it would be great to see more Val Kilmer movies in our future. Absolutely. Um, maybe even do a whole special. Doctor of island guy oh dude. island of dr moreau yeah yeah or uh fuck even batman forever why not so why not i'm right but i'm signing out i'm ryan seiskel <laughs> you have been listening to the video junkyard podcast i do wish we could chat longer but i'm having an old friend you just can't let them go go Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash videojunkyardpodcast, on Twitter at videojunkpod, and on Instagram as videojunkyardpodcast, all one word. I want to thank you again for listening, and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard.